When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson. And today I'll be talking with Kirk Martin with Celebrate Calm. Celebrate Calm is a parenting approach that Kirk developed, and it really focuses on leading as a parent from a place of calm yourself and the idea that it's virtually impossible to get your child calm if you are not feeling calm. So he has a lot of great information, and we talk specifically about just managing during this time of pandemic and kids being off kilter and parents feeling off kilter and just how we can better manage in this space. I want to give a shout out to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this podcast. Otherworld Computing has everything you need for your Mac, upgrades, accessories, anything you can think of. So thank you for supporting this podcast. Hi, Kirk. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you? It's good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. I know you're you're uh, a regular at this point. This is, I think, your third third visit to the Family Brain Podcast. Could be the third and last if I Uh-oh. share my deep conspiracy theory. So yes, <laughs> no, I love being here. I love <laughs> I love talking to you because it's a conversation, and it's fun, and it's interesting, and stimulating, and challenging, and I I love that. So well, good. I, I, I do really too. look forward to this. It's funny because I was telling one of my close friends that I was going to record a series on, um, you know, just managing mental health and life during the time of COVID-19. And I said, do you, you know, let me know if you think of anybody that I should talk to. And she was like, um, celebrate calm. Hello. And I was like, I already called him. I already reached out. So you're, you're very popular with our listeners and your, your perspective. Well, I appreciate that. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is just to sort of hear, I know you have a a large Celebrate Calm community and people that reach out to you for questions about parenting. And um, I guess maybe for people who haven't listened to prior episodes, can you sort of explain a little bit about what Celebrate Calm and your approach to parenting and family life is all about? So we deal with the most strong-willed kids, kids who don't care about consequences, kids who choose the more difficult path, right? Like it would be much easier if they just listened to you, but they have to touch the hot stove. So all the kids 
that um, don't respond to the traditional uh, parenting methods. And so you get really freaked out. And so parents then try to control their kids and we get really anxious about their future and we get on them and then they resist more. So a lot of what we talk about is first controlling ourselves and our own anxiety, right? Like key principles, the only person in life that you can control is yourself. And the quickest way to change your child's behavior is to first control your, yourself. And so we talk a lot about leading our kids instead of reacting to them. We lead instead of pushing them because you know that doesn't work with strong-willed kids. If you try to push them, they tend to resist more. So we draw them and we lead them. And all, you know, I just got off doing a phone consultation with a really nice mom. And um, I won't say her name or anything, but uh, she's a great mom, uh, but single mom now, just going through a divorce, teenage son. And you know what it always comes back to? It's not really about the kid. This is a good mom, but she's still dealing with stuff from her childhood. And she's like, I still don't really know who I am. You know, I'm a caretaker. I'm a nurse. So I ended up marrying someone who turned out to be an alcoholic. And there's all these patterns that go on. And so it was interesting. I do a 90-minute phone consultation because I like to get deep. We didn't end up really talking about her son. It was about rebuilding her story so that from a place of confidence, from a place of knowing I'm strong and I'm confident, I can now lead this teenage son through these years. Now, we talked about the son and helping him out a little bit. But anyway, we talk more about, um, one more thing, we talk more about um, instead of just disciplining your kids, which usually is like punishment, taking things away. What if instead we know that our kids struggle in an area and we give them tools to succeed, right? So it goes from stop focusing on getting kids to stop doing negative things and instead get them to start doing positive things because then their confidence comes up and you don't have all of the other issues. So anyway, that's kind of a brief overview of it. Yeah. It's always so interesting to me to listen to you talk about strong-willed kids because I feel like all of my children are strong-willed. And so it's so bizarre to me to think about that not just being the definition of child, you know, but then I do, I talk to other friends who just, well, I just do this. And I'm like, well, isn't that nice? You know, it just seems a little bit more of a smooth path. And honestly, those are children who sometimes struggle in other ways. Maybe they don't, they, they don't feel comfortable speaking up or they're, um, they're shy to participate in certain things. You know, I mean, everything has its pluses and minuses, um, but it, it is, right. it's always surprising to me to hear how easy it can be in some cases for discipline. <laughs> Are like, you ever resentful, Megan? Are you ever like, why can't I just have one day yeah. where the kids just do, right? So I mean, they, well, and know, they I've, have gotten better. I think when I get resentful is when somebody's telling me, oh, just do this. Like, it's just so easy. Just do this. And I'm like, well, that doesn't actually work for us. And you know what? I'm sure I do that to other people too. So uh, you know, like, oh, well, have you tried this? And people yeah. think of me like, oh, okay, Megan, that's not going to work here. So everybody's situation is different, but I do, I love what you talk about, about just getting back to your own stuff and figuring out what um, what's going on for you. Like I noticed at the beginning of this COVID-19 stuff, I was much more snappy and we've kind of gotten into a better routine now, but I was on high alert. And so everything that happened with the kids I just, I mean, if they poured too much milk and didn't drink it all, I'm like, don't you know, we can't just go to the grocery store freaking out about everything. And, right. um, and I think that I have settled 
into a little bit of a better routine. And so that is reflected in my parenting. But when I was on that high alert, everything was like, I started to see red. And I'm guessing I'm not the only parent in that circumstance that, that maybe, you know, is just feeling a little bit more intense right now. Actually, you are. It's you, Megan. I am. And your it's kids just are me. difficult because uh-huh. you're a freak. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> but, it's, but it's, um, yeah, everybody is. It's fascinating if you, this is what I encourage people to do is really watch and watch how, now this is basic stuff for us, but it's really important is watch your, how your body posture, watch how your tone of voice affects your kids because they pick up on stuff right? It's like that classic, like stand over your child with your hands on your hips. Like that will never work well because it creates a defensive response. And so tone of voice with kids, especially strong-willed kids, even matter-of-fact tone. Because as soon as you start to get a little bit of a, like if, if you hear that coming out of your voice, you right out of your mouth, you may as well just drink because yeah. it's not, I don't want to advocate drinking but it's not going to end well, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's when we start to get worked out. Guys, all I'm asking for is a little bit of, right? Like all that triggers in your child is, oh, mom sounds like she's kind of frustrated and exhausted. Why don't we push your buttons just a little bit more and then she'll lose it and talk about all she does for us and she'll be all upset and we won't actually have to do anything, right? Like it's, it's fascinating to me, I'm 54 now. And what I found is in every relationship in my life, it almost always comes back to me owning my part. I don't do blame. I don't do guilt. It's not like, well, if you weren't such a terrible parent, but if you're honest with yourself, it's like, nope, I kind of just created that little power struggle myself. Right. You're on edge. You just heard about like, there's going to be a meat shortage. And then your kids didn't need everything. You're like, kids, don't you know that they're, and then it becomes, right? And so it's, it's a fascinating thing to me to observe that I've been teaching this for about 20 years. And it's actually, one, it never gets old. And two, I still keep finding new ways in my own life that this comes out and it's true. Yeah. Um, no, I, and I find it now to be empowering, not, not guilt and blame, just empowering. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I was thinking as you were talking is um, when you think about your own responses to things, I think a lot of families kind of get in a groove of like, this is just what we do, whether it's working or not working. And they, those pa- same patterns keep repeating themselves. And it's helpful to sort of take a step back and see what part am I playing in this? But what's, what's interesting to me is that now with everyone staying home or most people staying home, um, in some families that who is in the home has changed. Like in my house, my husband is here all the time now and he used to be gone a good chunk of time. And so that's a whole new dynamic of there's two parents in the house and, and there were always two parents in the house, but you know, it's just a different we're together a lot more. I mean, we used to eat, maybe eat together once a week and now we're eating together every night. And that's, that that's presents a lot of opportunities <laughs> and a lot of challenges. Like it's just kind of another, an, a change. And I'm just wondering if, if you've heard anything from your community or the people you're talking to about how those family dynamics have kind of changed during this time. 
yes, I have a lot of moms who are ready for their husbands to leave the house mm-hmm. because I'm kidding, but yeah. not real. It's, it's are hard. You? So we, are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not really. It, it, it is because in my world it is, and this isn't being sexist. It's just mainly uh, a lot of the dads are like I was, which is like, kids supposed to just listen, right? My way or the highway. And moms tend to be, tend to be a little bit more understanding of the child who has some difficulties. And now dad's around all the time. He didn't always see what was going on. And now it's actually for, from our standpoint, it's awesome because I believe that the purpose of trans uh, of relationships is not happiness. Uh, if you've been married for a while, you know that um, it is, it is transformation. It will change you as a person. And so now you have all this pressure in the home and it's like we're walking on eggshells. And from our standpoint, it's a good thing because I'm challenging men. I'm like, you got to step up now. So I get it. You're in, you're in your home office and you hear all this stuff going on. Your natural instinct as mine is, is to come out and say, guys, Hey, listen, I'm trying to work. Keep it down. And look, there's nothing really wrong with that, right? You can't fault a mom or dad for doing that. It's just that it tends not to work. And I don't care about being right. I want to do what works. And so I'm like, dads, here's what I want you to do, especially with little kids. When you come out of your office, they're going to want to be with you. And they're excited because you're home and usually you're gone. So with little kids, you come out of your office and you go and you get down on the floor. I like being closer to the floor. For some reason, it's just magical with little kids. And then say, guys, you know what? You guys have been so quiet. I so appreciate that. And then dad goes and does something for 12, 15 minutes with the kids. He affirmed them first. And it changes the whole dynamic. He gives now his wife, because a lot of times in the home, there's the wife working and the husband working. And so they're tag teaming. And so now he takes the kids out for 15 minutes or 50 minutes an hour and gives his wife a break or she goes and does her work. But it's really forcing moms, dads, families to work on stuff that we glossed over because before COVID-19, here's family life. Get up, get up, got to go, got to go, come on, eat breakfast, got to take you to school, 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 school. And then after school, extracurriculars, traffic, um, feed you, homework, bath time, bedtime, done. And the whole day, the whole week, the whole school year is literally a blur. And we're just trying to get through it oftentimes. Now, I've been putting out the, it's not really an idea, but I I believe it's a a challenge and opportunity to say school, most school systems aren't even grading stuff anymore. School literally doesn't count right now. You have a gift of two, three, four, five months where you literally can't do anything. And so why not use this time? And because this is the family brain podcast, why not use this to start to understand the way your kids' brains are wired and feed the curiosity that you can't feed during the school year because you're too busy trying to get your kids to do what they're supposed to be doing, which isn't necessarily learning, but they're doing their school work. Now you have an opportunity to say, my child's always been fascinated by this subject. Why don't we explore that and do that now? Because we don't have all these other pressures. So there's, 
Well, that's what I was thinking about. No, but I think you're right. I think that there are a lot of increased stresses in some in some ways, and every family is dealing with these circumstances differently. And so there that there could be more challenges, but then I've noticed in some cases there's less stress because we're not so rushed. Everybody has kind of hit a little bit more of an equilibrium because we're getting the sleep we need finally. We're getting, you know, we're, we have access to food whenever we need it. We, I mean, it, again, in most cases, I know that there are people who do not have access to food and they're not getting sleep. Um, right. But I think that, that it, it is an opportunity to, to really notice how all that rushing around has affected us. Yes. I, I, you know, I have never seen in our community, um, and we've had good weather, we discussed this, I've never seen so many moms and dads out riding bikes with their kids ever in my entire life. It's even, it's like better than when we were kids. Like they're out and about and they're taking time. So there are definite struggles and challenges everywhere. I'll just throw this out. I'm not doing a, 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 a a sales thing. If anybody ever wants our stuff at Celebrate Calm, I'll just throw this out. And I don't even do this for our regular people, but we did, I uh, did a podcast last night webinar with some people and we did this like little code chiefs because we were in, they were in Kansas city chiefs, C H I E F S. If you're ever interested, go, if you go to our website for any of the programs and you put that in the coupon code, it'll give you 50% off. And I didn't mean to do that like as a sales pitch thing, but it's just a nice thing to do because people are um, struggling sometimes financially. Um, but it's opened up what we've been working with families on is saying, okay, you don't have the school pressure. So I don't want to stop learning, but let's start to figure out what are your kids curious about? What kind of projects? I'll give you one idea. This kid, he's got some behavior issues like all of our kids do that we work with, but he's really into riding bikes. And he also has a really big heart. Well, the parents are like, well, you know, he's got like 16 hours a day where he's not really doing anything because he's getting his schoolwork done like in two or three hours. And we don't want him being on video games for 13 hours. It seems like six is enough, right? Like I'm just being realistic. It's like, what are you oh, going to do with kids? I'm like, so oh, it's work 13 on? sounds okay. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Just it's kidding. like, just leave not me alone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We heard you, mom. Yeah. And so um, I was like, so you have to just saying, hey, why don't you go outside and play or read a book or do something educational? It's not concrete enough. So the idea we had with this family was, well, he's got a big heart. He wants to help people. He loves riding bikes. Why doesn't he organize a ride-a-thon that he does? So he can do it with social distancing. He can do it by himself, or in this case with his dad, and he's got to determine how many miles am I going to ride. What this kid came up with, he and his dad are going to ride their, try to ride their bikes for 24 hours straight. That's very in keeping with a strong-willed kid because they're adrenaline junkies. Mm -hmm. It'll stimulate his brain. And now he's got to create a web page to get donations, and he's got to figure out who he's going to give the money to. St. Jude's, kids with cancer. and. Um, and so he's got to write copy now for this is why I'm doing it. This is who it's helping. And so if you think about project-based work, he's using his natural gifts, his natural curiosity, his big heart, but he's doing something concrete and it's taking a lot of time. And now he's got to figure out, okay, how do I reach people? 
which of my relatives and parents, friends, do I want to bother and guilt trip into sponsoring me? What's my, because that's how it works. How, uh, what are the, uh, right? Because you're going to have to send it out like, my son's doing a ride-a-thon. Will you please sponsor him? Yes. And now he has to have a goal for it. And that is hours and hours and hours of time doing something productive that during the regular school year, that would never happen. Right. right? Yeah. So no, I love forgive that. me for the dinging. Oh, that's okay. Turn that off. Well, I don't know if you heard the trumpet in the background, but my son is practicing his trumpet. So I told him, I said, I'm about to do a podcast recording. So I, I guess he figured that was the perfect time to play some trumpet. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, that's what he heard. That's a that's a strong-willed child. Uh-huh. I, I mean, it that's might just be that, that time of class, so I shouldn't be too, you know, judgmental. Yeah. We're all, we've got all trying to find our little spot in the house. Um, no, I, I love that idea of sort of being able to find what their interests are and even just noticing little things, like the things that they respond to or don't respond to, or, oh, I didn't even know you didn't like to eat that, you know, like just because we've been in such a rush not really knowing as well what their preferences are or how they like to do things. And I mean, even, even right. down to like, I've noticed how um, like creative they've been in keeping t- in touch with friends through video games or through so- like not social media as much, but just finding new ways to connect with people. And I think that that's a really important skill. I guess, I guess my point is like, it's so easy to be like, Oh, they're just doing this or they're just doing that. But like, if you pay attention to some of the details in what they're doing, well, they really enjoy people and they're really using the technology and the things that are available to connect with those people. And that's pretty cool. You know, instead of just being like, Oh, they're always on their technology. If, if that makes sense. Yes. Can I share an idea with uh, your audience sure. uh, regarding technology that that's, that's perfectly related to that. So I'm working with this family and um there's this, uh, the dad is a professor, right? So you know there's going to be resistance because he knows better. Mm. No offense to the professors, but that's what happens. And so, uh, and, and naturally, his son likes video games, but he's always kind of been on his son about like, never, like that typical dad thing of like, you're never good enough and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, dad, here's what I want you to do. Walk into his room and sit down and watch him play the game and be curious about it. So I'm curious because you play this game 16 hours a day. So obviously you're drawn to it. You can use a little bit of sarcasm, but I'm curious because you play this game. Why do you like it so much? What do you get out of it? How does it challenge you? What are some of the challenges you've overcome in playing this game? How did you get to the next level? Why did you get such a good score? What do you need to do in order to get better? And take an interest and listen to your kids because what you'll find is they're not just idiot kids sitting on a video game all day. They're good thinkers, right? Now, I know I don't want them sitting on video games all day, but the reality is they're going to be on them. And rather than like huffing, well, when I was a kid, we were outside all the time. You can't even. Instead, I guarantee, and the dad was like, but I'm going to be encouraging him to play more. And I'm like, no, you're building your relationship and taking an interest and You're going to find out so much about your son by asking him questions and listening, and he's going to give you the very answer that you need to getting him to transition off of video games, because you're going to find out he likes the challenge. 
He liked like all these different things. Well, I like the social aspect of it and I like the brain stimulation and I'm really good at doing it. And you're going to take all that information and say, huh, what if I were to find other activities like that bike-a-thon or creating and building things or creating a little side business and I could meet all of those same needs in a different way, I may be able to get my son off of video games for a few hours a day to do these other things. But just going in and saying, you know, I don't know why you're on that all the time. Like, he's never going to be like, dad, thanks for your wisdom. I, right. Right? Like, I, I appreciate that you hate everything that I enjoy. And so the other thing you said, Megan, which is critical to me and I've been hitting a lot on lately, is use this time to observe your kids. Your kids will tell you everything you need to know about them by what they do. So if you've got a child who, because uh, I had this one, uh, when he comes home from school, he immediately dives under things. He wants to be under the table. Under, well, I'm like, okay, so that feels safe to him. He likes confined spaces. So let's do his schoolwork underneath the table. Let's ask the teacher if he can do schoolwork and take a test sitting underneath his desk. Let's allow that child to, let's have him sleep in a sleeping bag because that feels more comforting and it's a confined space. So all of those things, um, you know, I'll, I'll throw out this challenge for parents during this COVID-19 time. Take the, uh, think about the quality, one of the qualities inside your child that irritates you the most. And then dive deep into that. One, you can dive deep and think, one, why does that irritate me? What is it about that? What in my own past does that bring up? What does that trigger inside of me? Because mm -hmm. that's the key to your freedom is to changing that. But also go deep and say, okay, so my son loves to argue. Okay, not really a pleasant quality. But what does that tell me about him? Is it that he's got good critical thinking skills? He likes to tinker with things and he likes to tinker with my brain. Yeah. He loves to solve puzzles. Like if you go deep on it, yeah. you will find clues all over the place. And right. we've got time for it now. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool opportunity. Well, I've noticed with my kids, a lot of times the arguing is about justice. And, and it's really, if I have the time oh. to talk with them about it, they, they have a good point, but I just don't have time. Not, I don't actually have time for it because now I do, but I don't. Okay. I get it. It's not fair. Okay. I get it. But, but talking to them more about, and I've been trying to kind of acknowledge that, like, that's an awesome characteristic that you care a lot about justice and things being done properly and having it be fair. It's not always going to be like that, but I really love that about you because that's going to be really a gift for you to stand up for yourself and others as you go on about your life. You know, it's just, you don't necessarily, I saw some cartoon about that recently. It's like, I want you to be strong and outspoken and stand up for yourself, but just not right now, just like maybe later, <laughs> Right. Um, but, but really kind of acknowledging it as a strength, even though it is really difficult to be around sometimes. Yes. I, 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 I don't think you can go wrong with that. Right. Like the, cause you're not acknowledging, like, I love the fact that you love to argue and you're like that, but it's affirming and saying, huh. I'll give you another phrase. And again, I skew toward, you know, for the parents who have the strong will kids who normally are in trouble all the time. And there's not always something immediately that's immediately obvious. that's positive is sometimes I like turning it around and saying, you know what? I wish I was more like you. You know, I, I, 
I, I care too much about what other people think. And, um, and sometimes that hamstrings me in life. And, but I like the fact that you don't always care about that. And you're your own person, that you're very independent. And I wish I had a little bit of that in me. But can you imagine being a kid mm-hmm. and thinking that something's wrong with you or knowing that your brother and sister are the perfect ones? And I'm not being mean, but they know this. I, and I'm the weird little one because that's what they feel like. I'm the weird oddball in the family. Mm-hmm. The and one always, always getting yelled at. I'm always in trouble. Yeah. Yep. I'm always getting yelled at. And I know that the grandparents, when they come over to the house, they're always making a big deal with my brother and sister because they get all A's and B's and they listen and they're pleasant, have good social skills. And I'm like the weird one who's always in trouble. But then all of a sudden, my parents are an adult or a grandparent comes along and says, you know what? I wish I was more like you. I wish I had more of that fight in me because you're a fighter. And you don't have to say, I like you fighting me, but you can acknowledge because in their childhood, they're basically trying this stuff out. Right. Like, I feel this inside, and all I know is it's going to come out, and it usually comes out in an immature way because they're kids. But if we can take that instead of shut it, because we tend to shut it down. Don't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But what if I could say, okay, I've got a child who does like to argue because they do have a strong sense of justice, and they do have thoughts, and they do want to be heard. Great. Because you know what your problem is with the other, some of your friends that have the really compliant, especially the really compliant little girls, the pattern life is those compliant little girls who never learn how to speak up for themselves end up marrying controlling men almost mm-hmm. every single time. And it creates, and it's not just the controlling man's issue. It's the fact that the wife never learned how to speak up for herself and she had actually attracted to her a controlling guy. It's fascinating how hmm. that works. Yeah. And because I, because almost every live workshop I come to, the mom comes up and here's what she says. Oh, I don't, I don't want to take your time. And I immediately address it and say, why are you apologizing for asking me a question? Why do you think you're not worthy of having your voice heard? And so we never get to the question about the child. We always get to, what is it about inside of you that thinks that you're bothering me? I am here to help people. Nobody else apologized for taking my time. Why did you do that? Hmm. And you can see that. And it's not to shame the mom. It's to say, let's work on that. Right. Because until you learn how to speak up for yourself, right, other people are going to run over you and you'll just grow quietly resentful and then end up leaving your husband 14 years in once the kids go off to college, right? Because that's what happens. And so I like to acknowledge and say, Listen, I like the fact, my, my son Casey, and Megan, you know all about Casey, but you never had to worry about where he stood on an issue. He would tell you. What I finally found, discovered is, I liked that quality. I needed to teach him how to do that with a little bit of wisdom so that he didn't lose all of his privileges and his life for doing it that way. Right. And so I could acknowledge, say, Casey, like that you stand up for yourself. I like that you're bringing it up. I like that you don't shrink back from conflict. What I want you to know is if you use that tone with me, and look, there's not a threatening and there's not a, like a hurt babyish. I didn't mean to say, but not like, I can't believe that you would talk to me. See, that's kind of a, that's like an adult being a baby in a way, right? And I didn't mean it to sound like that, but it is kind of an image. So when I looked at him, I said, I get it. I know what you want. 
if you talk to me like that, I can guarantee you my answer will always be no 100% of the time. Now, if you want to argue your point, if you want to speak up for yourself, I'm happy that you will do that. Here's an appropriate way to do it. Now you've got a 50-50 shot. But the other way, demanding, calling me names, it's always no. Right. And you're going to lose all your stuff. So well, I don't know kinda, if that helps at all. It does. And it's, it's what you're talking about is just that developmental time of they're trying out these things. Like they, they don't know how it's going to land. It's almost like a, a comedian getting on stage and trying out new material. You know, like when the, the joke bombs, okay, let's not do that again. You know, and, and maybe the kids don't learn as quickly, but if you give them a new, a new way, then what they're saying maybe lands a little bit better and it's better received. I like that. I like that because I, I like that. I'm just writing that down. I'm going to steal that and use that sometime. Like I came up with it, the comedian on stage. Go for it. Um, I'm sure you'll say it much better. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's a good analogy. I was listening to this guy um, and he was talking about why he, he values uh, free speech so much. And this is interesting to me. So this is a cool podcast. So we'll do it even if it's not parenting is because there's this thing in in our country and society now of like, well, we have to tamper down because they might say something offensive or they might say something that's wrong. And he's like, his point is you learn by speaking. And so if you're just sitting in your room thinking all day, you won't come up with wisdom. But if you're allowed to express yourself, then you give other people a chance to say, hey, here's some other perspective. I think you're wrong. And so one of the downsides to this kind of tapping down, well, we don't want to allow that because that might offend someone is you're actually inhibiting learning. And so you want people speaking up because it gives you a chance to say really stupid stuff that you were just thinking. And it gives other people an opportunity to say, hey, I get what you're saying, but here's different perspective for you. And so I think you can apply that to your kids of it's not saying like, oh, I just love the way they express themselves. No, I want you to express yourself. How you're doing it doesn't work in our home. So here's a different way to do it that may get you better results. Right. See, that's a, that's a mature way to do it. Yeah, and I like that. I like that idea too of if you aren't expressing what you're thinking in your mind, you're kind of just in your own little bubble of like what your own experience is, right? And I think that's what the kids are dealing with. They're at an age where they're very self-focused and so when it's in, and, and we all have, I mean, I'm pretty self-focused too, but you know, they, they aren't as skilled at taking on that perspective of others. And so it's kind of like helping them grow that muscle of like understanding well, what it feels like to be on the receiving end of, of how that is being said. Yes. Yeah. And just think, Megan, we're not that good no. at, at doing that. We I, most people now I'm getting better because I'm 54, but most people watch a certain news channel that feeds them the narrative that's in their brain and reinforces what they want to hear, right? Like very few people will turn on a channel that's diametrically opposed to their political viewpoint or other viewpoint to get that without saying, oh, that's full of whatever. They're not right. Like that's a, most of us don't do that. And so that's why we get these narratives. And then we just listen to people who repeat the same narrative, right? All the time. And that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And it's something I'm learning. 
one of my goals as I've gotten older is to purposefully listen to people I disagree with and learn at least one thing from them. Mm-hmm. Right. And usually and it, there's some truth in what's happening. Usually there's a grain of, a, or a piece of something that makes sense and that can land with you. You know what I mean? Like I've noticed that with some friends with the current political situations going on, they might send me something that I'm not like, Oh yes, that's exactly what I think. But there's a, there's a piece of it that I do agree with. Like, you know, that, that I can see why it's something that makes sense to them. Yes. And even just, I mean, look, even from a practical level, if I want to have a conversation with someone who maybe disagrees with me, the first thing I want to do is acknowledge and say, you have some legit, your points are legitimate from their point of view. It's legitimate. I get, I, I get how you would think that. And then I can be curious and say, I'm curious what in your life experience leads you to leads you down that road to have that worldview. And then when I listen to them, it doesn't mean I have to agree with them, but if I listen to them and say, huh, there's just some valid points, right? Like if I'd grown up in that situation, I'd probably think that as well. And then I can say, well, here's my experience and this is why I believe X. And if I take it out of like, I'm trying to convince them and I'm just saying, here's what I've kind of, like we talked a little bit about the conspiracy theory stuff and I found it's really interesting. And this is not parenting stuff, but it's curious to me and you're a really fascinating person. So I've got a lot of extra time because usually we're traveling a lot. So I've kind of gotten into, I'm a little bit older, I've gotten into finances and so I'm looking at stock market stuff. So you look at one site and it'll be like, the end is coming. Stock market's going to crash even worse. Like just like get everything out and hide it in the backyard. And then you'll have another site. It's like, you better throw everything in the stock market because you're going to make a lot of money. Da, da, da. And then I go on both sites and I'll be like, cause I'm difficult like this. And I'll be like, have you ever considered that everything that you're reading may be skewed to a certain point? Could there be something that you're missing? And it's really interesting because I don't do Twitter. I would never do Celebrate Calm on Twitter because it does not lead to calm in any way. Mm-hmm. I tried to Twitter maybe for 20 minutes once and I was so overstimulated. I was like, I'm out, I'm out. My husband was like, oh, it's really cool. And I got on there and I was like, oh my God, is it always like this? And he was like, yeah, I, pretty much. And I was like, I, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I think it skews a little bit male, like YouTube skews a little bit male. Um, There's just too much for my brain. It is for me normally. I've got the yeah. time, but I'm using it. Of course, I'm justifying, but I'm using it because I'm fascinated when you introduce a new idea, how quickly, because I'm going in between the two camps mm. and I'm bringing up, I'm like, well, have you thought about this? And then the point, but you have thought about this. And I'm just endlessly fascinated by the replies and how quickly people shut down anything that shatters the narrative they have in their brains mm-hmm. and they're not even, and I'm like, well, have you ever thought that maybe just maybe you don't have it all right. And maybe you're mit- and that's too discomforting to people. Right. Because, and so let's bring it into relationships. Um, if you don't mind is that victim villain story that almost all of us do in any relationship where we're having conflict, we develop a narrative. Well, I was just trying to help and he or she did the wrong thing. And one way to tell if you've gotten in this trap is you begin to use absolutes Mm -hmm. 
when mm-hmm. describing other, well, she always does that. He never. And as soon as you hear that coming, as soon as I hear that coming out of my mouth, I'm like, uh oh, I've fallen into the trap. It's me, the victim. They're the villain. My motives are good. Theirs aren't. That happens in marriages after the first, mm, when the honeymoon wears off, that's when that starts happening, right? Like, well, he never does this around the house. He never does that. But then we miss all of the things that he does do. And dad does the same thing. And we do it with our kids and we do it with our neighbors. And I I just like bringing that up. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's really interesting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, just, I like what you're talking about, about how people respond so strongly in their own camps. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is just how I think this celebrate calm method can be transferable to our friendships, to our marriages. You know, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, I was talking to a friend about this earlier about how, um, I wonder if people, if it's more comfortable to be angry about these things than it is to be sad about what's happening or to be disappointed or to feel the loss or the grief, or I don't know. I just, it seems like sometimes people feel safer in that holding position. And, um, I just wonder if we're like, you're, you're sort of probing them. Have you considered this? Have you considered that? Maybe that feels unsafe to them to consider other things because their, their safety is kind of rooted in this being angry about what someone else is doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, very much so. And I, think I don't know if it's it, true. No, I think it, <laughs> I think it does. And I think it, what it, um, say that one more time. I had a thought and I just lost it. Um, and it was a good, it was an interesting thought that I wanted to bring up about, um, oh, darn it. Keep, keep talking. It's okay. I know that happens to me. Just the idea that people, that it feels more comfortable to be rooted in anger or to be holding a certain position oh. than it does to feel a loss or to feel a disappointment or a sadness or, or a fear. Okay. So this is kind of tangentially related to that. Oftentimes, like when, um, when we had the time of uh, when there were, you know, every so often there was like a school shooting or a terrorist attack. I would immediately go onto our Facebook page and make a statement that said, just because you don't watch endless news coverage doesn't mean you don't care. And I wanted to liberate people from thinking, well, if I'm not watching all the news and I'm not counting the number of deaths from COVID-19 and I'm not, because some people who are listening are very sensitive people. I tend to be, as much as I'm a sarcastic jerk, I tend to have a very sensitive nature. I do not watch the news except when I really want to. And I tend not to watch news. I tend to try to source it from places that I reasonably trust because then I control it. Um, But I don't immerse myself. Like when tragedies happen, right? And you want to, oh, but this is, and then everybody's calling and I'm talking and everything. It's too heavy for me. But there's this feeling sometimes of, well, if I'm not talking about it, then that means I don't care about these people. And part of my, what I try to do is to say, what can I actually control? Who can I help? Because if we take this to the logical extreme, you would be depressed every day because in your neighborhood, there is child abuse, sexual abuse, spousal abuse, and all kinds of nasty, ugly, horrible, life-altering things happening in good neighborhoods every single day, and we don't know about it. But we, if we immersed ourselves in it, so there is my 
I guess the way from a calm view that we've handled this is as a family, we've said, let's be as up to date as possible on what works, what doesn't, because there are conflicting things on that. Let's, um, you know, there's that nut judge thing. Like there are people who are like, well, if you don't wear a mask in public, then you're selfish. And I get that. And then there are people who have an opposite and I'm trying to under, like, I'm trying, like, I didn't wear a mask the other day to the post office. Our post office people, it's a little town. They don't wear a mask or anything and whatever. I didn't have it on. But when I was leaving, a couple of ladies said out loud, like, you know, everybody should wear a mask in public. Now, my initial defensive, because I'm a human, my initial defensive response, because I'm a sarcastic, jerky person, would have been to say something snotty. But I know from being, but that what calm teaches me is I don't react because what I go to is I bet one of those women has had someone in her life be sick or die. She's been personally affected by it. And so she cares deeply about this and she believes that it can be caught airborne at the post office. And so it means something to her. So if I would have reacted to her in some jerky way, right? Like, who are you to tell me what or whatever, then that would have made me a jerk. I don't think she was being a jerk. I think she felt something deeply. And so I didn't respond to it at all. Now, did it cause me to put on my mask? No, but I didn't, right? And I know people are going to listen and be like, well, why wouldn't you wear a mask? Um, I do at certain grocery stores that require it. But I, I, anyway, I don't want to get into that whole thing. No. But- well, and there's plenty of people making, I think that's one of the things I'm, I keep circling around to is just compassion for ourselves and compassion for one another as we make decisions based on the information we have. And it's all very unclear. And it's, it's hard to understand exactly what we're supposed to be doing and what we're not going to be doing. And I was saying we're so in Texas, they're sort of opening up things more now. And, um, and I think we'll all start to make different decisions and they might not always make sense. You know, it might not be like, Oh, you wipe down your groceries, but you don't wear a mask or you, wear a mask and you're still having a friend over. I mean, it's just, it's going to be kind of a messy unraveling, I think. And um, I think we have to be compassionate with ourselves and with other people, you know, and how, what their process looks like. I think that's good. I think it comes back. What helps is because every day I teach with celebrate calm of control yourself, control yourself. It starts with you. And it's really hard because I'm guilty of that where it's like, uh, it's like people are like, well, I only eat organic food, but then you'll go to their house and they have something else that's like horrible for mm-hmm. their health. And you're like, okay, your food's good, but you never get out of your seat. And you do right. And then I'll be like, yeah, but I exercise. And then I eat brownies every day. I eat brownies just about every day because why? Cause I can't be, cause I give myself a couple things so I don't end up blowing up and I love brownies and I justify it saying, when I eat brownies, it makes me happy. And when I'm happy, that changes my body chemistry. Everybody is filled with contradictions and all kinds of things. And so I think just saying like, my job is to control myself and fix that. And I have enough work to do on myself. It's just comforting to talk badly about other people. It, just, it is. It, it is. feels good. It, it does. feels good. And I think what's, what's nice too, is if you can find a trusted person who kind of, you can talk with and they know it's not, it's not that it's not so serious, but sometimes you just need to vent, you know, and kind of get things out and then move on, you know? 
Um, now, can I say something to that? I don't believe that's really important within your family. Like Casey, Casey's my son. He was our strong-willed one, and he travels with me. And we do a lot of traveling. When this isn't happening, we're on the road two, day, two, two weeks out of the year, and we're speaking day and night, day and night. And we work with a lot of people. So what Casey and I found early on was after an event, we would go to dinner and we would just rip into, did you hear that one lady? And like the first time um, some friends like heard that or my wife, she's like, that is so mean. And I was like, we would never say that to her face, but that woman was a freak. But we have to have a safe place. Like Casey and I have never, I don't think we've ever been personally offensive or hurtful to another person that we're working with, but you have to give within your family chances to say things that you can't say elsewhere without judge. I can't believe you'd say that. I'll be like, well, you may not say it, but your heart is probably way harder and worse than mine. I just give voice to the stuff. So there's, I think there's a health that's in that where it's not healthy is with a friend saying, well, did you hear about Rebecca down the street? Right. And that's what churches, that's where churches have just self-destructed when it's like, well, did you hear about the Johnsons? And as soon as that happens, it's like, you're trying to draw me in because you feel like you have special knowledge and you want to share that because that gives you power. And what I've learned as I've gotten older is to say, yeah, I could walk in that. Like my, one of my brothers, I've got three brothers and we're all into politics to some degree. And they sent me a certain uh, little um, video. And my response was, because I was trying to be good, was, you know, I could have done the same thing. There's been a lot of pain and loss in that family. Because that's me saying, I don't want to go down that path of judging those people because that's going to come right back and bite me in the butt. Because I may not struggle with alcohol. Why? Not because I'm virtuous. I just don't have, it doesn't appeal to get drunk to me. So I'm not virtuous, right? So it's anyway, I don't know if yes. that makes sense at all, but. No, um, I get it. I mean, I think it's just about, I, I think it kind of goes back to the compassion of like allowing yourself a little bit of venting. And that doesn't mean you're a hateful, judgmental person. It's just sometimes you need to vent a little bit without, without it spiraling into a gossipy, like kind of they're bad and I'm good scenario. You know, because I'm guessing even when you're like, oh, my gosh, she was freaking me out. It's not like she's an idiot loser. It's like, wow, that was a lot, you know, and you were on the receiving end of it, you know. So it's just how how to sort of get that out of your body. Yeah. And that's our thing. And then but in the moment, I was like, hey, I can totally understand why you'd be upset because your child's not doing his schoolwork. And I get that. Now, I do. If you do ever if people come to our live events, I will be honest and say, do I have permission to be blunt with you? And then people are always stupid enough to say yes. And then in the moment, I'm like, okay, but here's the flip side to that is you're always on your son and nothing he ever does is good enough for you. And so I'm not blaming you, but if you want this situation to change, you're going to have to stop doing this because it's not all about your son. And what I found is when I do it that way, people with two exceptions in my entire career, people have taken the blunt talk, because I don't do it in a jerky way of like, you know what, you've basically ruined your child, you should have never had. No, it's just like, of course, you're anxious. Of course, you want the best. You're, you yell at your kids because you want the best for them. And they're not listening to you. 
but here's a different way you could try it. And I think they'll listen more. And yeah. people are usually like, yeah, I own it. It's what my dad did to me, blah, blah, blah. So right. it's, anyway. So I just had a last question for you to wrap things up. And my curiosity is what is something that you've been doing during this COVID-19 that seems to be like a touchstone practice for you that sort of helps you feel balanced or is helping you with keeping your mental health on track? Um, I have uh, stopped as much as possible. Now I live in a smaller town. Stop driving as much. I've got a bike that usually sits there. So like um, I'm doing all the orders when we send out CDs and stuff. There's a little post office. It's about 30 minute bike ride. And so I'm looking for like every day now, especially because the weather's nice. Like today, like after I've got it written down, like right after we get off the phone, I'm going to eat a little, um, here's what I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat a spinach salad. And then afterwards I'm going to have a clementine and a brownie, just part of a brownie. Cause then I balance out everything. Then I'm going to get on my little bike and I ride to the post office because I'm a big um, order and structure person. I need a lot of order and this is totally messed with it. So I've created my new order. So every day I go to my little post office and I get to talk to a few people there and have some social interaction. And then I drive down and I live in a kind of little beach town. There's, a, um, there's an ice cream, little ice cream place. So I probably won't eat a brownie because I'm going to get an ice cream today. And I'm going to go and I get a single scoop of ice cream and I sit and watch people. And it is so, I give myself some things, small things like that instead of being so rigid with stuff. And right. that's kind of my new thing that I look forward to. And I'm meeting new people that I didn't meet before because I'm on my bike. And it's, um, and I'm finding people are wanting to bike with me. And then I'm like, no, I really just want a little bit of long time. Right. And, uh, and sometimes we all bike together. But yeah, that's kind of my thing yeah. now, I think. It's a little, I'm hoping I keep that after everything goes back. Like I may actually cancel my gym membership and, um, cause I've learned to do some things that I, outside of the gym and I'm kind of liking this exercise outside fresh air. Uh, yesterday I did something I've never done really. It's a little bit further away, but I went to, um, cause I was cooking last night. I went to the grocery store and what I didn't know is I bought too many groceries to fit in my little basket. Um, so I had to balance it all, but I, I kind of actually enjoyed that challenge of there was something that felt very good about that, doing that. Yeah. Um, so that's what anyway. I love. I love that we have this time to sort of notice the things we enjoy, you know, like, Oh, I enjoyed that. And maybe you wouldn't have known how much you enjoyed it had I we been rushing around and not totally giving ourselves the space. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I always enjoy it. And I think, um, the people listening will, I don't know, feel kind of encouraged and challenged and comforted by the Celebrate Calm method and, and knowing that it's something they can use during this time. Is there a place that people can learn more about your program? CelebrateCalm.com or you can Google the Calm Parenting Podcast and then you'll, you'll find us or Kirk Martin. What's fun is if anybody orders anything, they, they have the little visual of you riding your little bike to the post office. <laughs> I am. I love it. If, you it's know what fun. it does? It also feels very, um, I switched a while ago because I was like, well, I'm the owner of the company. I shouldn't be like putting things together. But what it does is it makes me very, very attached because when people order something, it's like, I want to change my family. 
And now there's a very like, I hate the word organic, but it's like a very like, I'm putting this package together. I'm mailing this out to a family that, that wants help and I'm on my butt. It, it does, it makes like a personal connection to it that um, I probably never would have discovered if this hadn't happened. So That's I'm cool. kind of, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying that. So Love thank that. you for having me on, Megan. Thank I you so it. much for your time. I appreciate it too. Okay. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Family Brain. If you'd like to learn more about The Family Brain or listen to past episodes, you can check out all the episodes on familybrainpodcast.com or we have a page, Instagram, Family Brain Podcast, also on Facebook, Family Brain Podcast. And I would love it if you enjoyed this episode, if you might leave a review on Apple. It helps other people find the show and get the word out about the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.